We are in Proverbs in chapter 4, and I feel the, the need to just tell you really quickly, I've got some water here, I've had a dry throat this morning, but uh, because of Colette's wisdom in our family, I tested negative for COVID this morning. So just know that uh, you might get something from me this morning, but it's not COVID. There are only two ways to live your life. Only two. And we cannot avoid this choice. Just like you cannot go down Interstate 35 and Interstate 45 at the same time, there are two ways to live your life. And just like you cannot go from Dallas toward Austin and from Dallas toward Indianapolis at the same time, there are two ways to live your life. There is a path of life and a path of death. There is a path of good and a path of evil. Which path are you on? Where is the path that you are on leading you? I love using maps on smartphones today. You type in the destination, and then Siri tells you, in my case, it's Siri. I have the original Siri voice. I'm not one of those newfangled, Natalie, Australian kind of people. You just punch in the destination, and Siri announces where you should go along the way. Turn here, go here. There is a merge coming up. We haven't fully developed yet the technology to warn you when certain drivers are on the road, but hopefully one day. In my case, I have an extra layer of help. The Lord in His kindness knew how badly I need direction because not only do I have Siri, my wife kindly and gently announces to me what Siri is saying as we drive. And I say this jokingly, but I mean it seriously how many times Siri will be announcing turn right and I will be driving straight. The layers of help that we need on the path of life are many. The Bible is similar. The Bible gives us the, dev the destination of life. What it means to be a Christian, what it means to trust God is to put life in as the destination. I want to live. I want to live. And the Bible is giving us instructions, guidance, principles for how to get on and stay on the path of life. So what I have for us today, what Proverbs, I believe, has for us, Proverbs chapter 4, is seven truths and principles for the path of life. Seven truths and principles for the path of life. If you put life in as the destination, these are seven turns, seven announcements, several instructions for how to get there. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for its guidance. Thank you for...
being there for us, Father. Not leaving us to ourselves, not leaving, getting to you and getting to life up to us, but for enlightening the way through your word and through Christ that we might come to you and by coming to you again have life, life now and life forever. We pray that you would help us take what we hear today and apply it with joy to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, the way to life begins by getting wisdom. The way to life begins by getting wisdom or it requires getting wisdom. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, see it there. The father's instruction to his son to get on the path of life is to get wisdom. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 4 again. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Keep my commandments and live. Number five, or verse five. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. This is first. Get insight and understanding. As we mentioned last week, wisdom is understanding the world the way God understands the world. To go beyond our understanding, limited by sin, limited by humanity, by our own capacity, and see life and see the world in God's eyes in order to walk in God's ways. That's wisdom. To understand the world as God understands the world. To know what I am here for and to know what makes life good according to God. And forsaking my own personal wisdom, my own intuition, forsaking my gut feelings and trading them for God's word and wisdom. The wisdom is something that we must seek in God, in His Word, and something that is handed down from the generations before us, we see. Wisdom is like a treasure about God's knowledge that must be discovered every generation. So you hear the Father saying to the sons, be attentive, gain insight, get wisdom, get insight. The path to life begins insight and understanding. The path of life and the path of understanding are one. They're the same. You cannot be on the path of life without living by and toward wisdom. We've already read in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 12, fools hate knowledge. Hate it. They don't want to learn. It's foolish to listen to no one. It's foolish to not seek wisdom and understand. The first step on the path of life is the repentance that you need to get wisdom. 
And that what you need to know is not inherent to yourself. You have to, as the Father says, gain it. Pick pick it up like something you didn't have yet. Philosophically speaking, you must have an epistemology of revelation. Epistemology just being the study of epistemology, knowledge itself. The epistemology of revelation is the belief that knowledge comes from outside of us to us. And then it comes from God to us. That's not anti-science. It's not anti-intellectual. It is simply saying that matters such as truth and meaning and wisdom come to us from God. How do you know if you are really understanding the world the way it truly is? You are getting your wisdom from God who made the world. How do you know if you are understanding your spouse or your marriage or your work according to the way of true wisdom? You get it from God. We saw this last week, Proverbs 3, 19. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, friends, hear this. The call to get wisdom is not so much the call to go pay for an expensive liberal arts education or to spend hours into the night watching YouTube videos on philosophy. Both of those might be extremely helpful to you. But the way to wisdom, the call to know wisdom and have understanding is the call to know God and know the world the way God knows the world. That is true wisdom and understanding. Consider just for a moment as a side how this is being passed on. A father urging his son, son, get wisdom. You go get it. Fathers and mothers, talk to your children. Talk to your children. Take them to breakfast. Take them to dinner. Talk at your table as a family. Fathers, lead your homes and opening the Bible and reading it aloud and praying it to God. Doing this is one of the most fundamental ways that you can tell your children, kids, dad is not the smartest person in the world. And guess what? They already don't think that. Open the Bible is saying God is the wise one. His word is the direction. His word is how we will see our way through life by faith. If you're single and you don't have a family, we need your help. Our children need wisdom and instruction from so many voices. You can help the next generation. You can help families by walking with children in so many ways. You can help serve by being additional Trainers in children's ministry and student ministry. Call Cal Stack this week and just say, Cal, how can I help you train the next generation alongside the parents in our church? Call Laura Tang, our children's minister, and say, Laura, how can I help instruct the next generation alongside our parents in our church? 
These are just ways that in this passage and we can by example together collectively say to the coming generation and admit ourselves we need to get understanding. Every time we gather together for life groups, every time we gather together as a church, every time we gather together for building blocks and we open the word and read it, we're admitting, we're saying, we're confessing. I don't know, I don't know what to do. I need God's help. I've forgotten how the world works. I need God to remind me. This, this morning we were going through building blocks and what it means for God to create woman and what it means for God to institute marriage. Now let me tell you something. I could have written a 100-page paper on man and woman. And the things that we looked at, they were so simple and so fundamental, so good for me to hear. Well, I know those things, but I haven't been thinking those things. Every time we come together and open the word in any form, in any fashion, is getting us to God's wisdom that we might be on the path to life. The way to life begins with getting wisdom, going from our own wisdom to God's wisdom. Number two, keep the commandment and live. Keep the commandment and live. Keep the commandment and live. Proverbs chapter four, verse Three. Or excuse me, verse four. He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments and live. Keep my commandments and live. Well, isn't that true practically? Son, don't speed. Wear your seatbelt. Keep your gun on safety. I mean, these are wise tips that lead to staying alive. But Proverbs as a book isn't just pointing us to practical tips about staying alive or having a kind of good life. Life is not only about living it longer. A gazelle will live longer if it doesn't stray from the herd and play near the lion's den. That's wise. But this life is different. It's unique to what it means to be human and created in the image of God. Keep my commandment and live has been the call from God to man since the beginning. This call is not something somehow showing us that wisdom is different than everything that God is doing in the world. It's actually showing us that wisdom is right in line with the law and right in line with all the plans of God and right in line with all of the relationships between God and man. In the garden, God said very simply to Adam and Eve, listen to me and live. Disobey me and you will die. Satan comes into the garden. If you don't listen to God, you won't die. God's just afraid that you'll become too much like him. Well, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They did not keep his commandment and they died. They died because they were in shame and guilt and they hid from God and they died in that they died, died. And we do this ourselves. Why do we die over and over and over? Death is the end of the path when man chooses to live in his own wisdom and reject God. When man chooses to live by his own commandments and reject God's commandments. 
God has been saying this, what he is saying in his word in Proverbs 4, what this father is saying to the son all along through the whole of history and through the whole of the narrative of Scripture. What the father says to the son in Proverbs 4 is exactly what God said to Adam and Eve in the garden. Keep my commandment and live. And to Noah, keep my commandments and live. And to Abraham, keep my commandments and live. And to Moses and Israel coming out of Egypt, keep my commandments and live. To David and then to Israel, keep my commandments and live. What Proverbs is saying is that the way to go down the path of life is not just law obeying. It is not just doing the right thing. Keeping the commandments and live is is also requiring understanding life and understanding God's world the way he understands it. Listen to God in the way the world works. Listen to the way God works in the world. Listen to God is how we get to life. Well, this is true ultimately in its foremost, in its fullness with Jesus Christ. Did Jesus keep God's commands and live? Yes, he did. Adam did not keep God's commands. Jesus, as the second Adam, 1 Corinthians says, did keep God's commands and live. And yet we know that Jesus died. He died. Only Jesus did not die for his own sin like we do. He died to save us from sin that we have committed and to give us life through his keeping the commandments. Did you know this is the whole point of the Bible? The whole point of Jesus? To give life forever through his keeping the commandments of God in the way that we never could. Give you life forever. John says it exactly, this is exactly why he wrote the gospel of John. John says in John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe and that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's the whole point of the gospel, John. That by believing you may have life in Jesus' name. Matthew refers to life 18 times, Mark 9 times, Luke 16 times, but John 55 times. The gospel of John is about life. Begins in him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. This is not just about not dying and living longer days, although it applies in Proverbs 4. This is about a quality and a length of life that is spiritual and eternal in Jesus Christ. As much as it might be true for the Israelites in their time to hear this proverb and obey the proverb and live longer lives in the promised land, it is infinitely more true that if we believe and trust in Jesus Christ and walk in the commandments of faith and obedience to Jesus for having obeyed the commandments and died for us, then eternal life will come to us. Jesus said it of himself in passages like John 14 when one of the disciples asked, how can we get to God? How can we know the way that we're supposed to go? 
Jesus' answer was very simple yet profound. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There are all kinds of practical wisdom that we need to hear in life. All kinds of wisdom that may extend our days. Don't stick forks into electrical sockets. It's just sound wisdom. Don't feed the bears. Or one that I learned the hard way, don't try to pull kids behind a boat in an ice chest when working as camp staff. But there's only one way to wisdom that leads to life eternally, forever. Believing in Jesus Christ. Keep the commandment of faith in Christ. Believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that all of God's life is in Him and that though all God's life was in Him, Jesus died on the cross not for His own sin, for His sin, but because in God's wisdom we needed someone to die for our sin. We needed a commandment keeper to come and save us commandment breakers so that rather than die as we deserve, we might live because God is so gracious to us. Having fulfilled and paid the debt of sin, Jesus rose from the grave and Romans 6 says he will never die again. This is the quality of life that Jesus offers. Not just a good life now. Not just a good few more days. Eternal life with God forever. When Jesus was about to die on the cross, this is what he said of himself in prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to eternal life, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Friends, what does practical wisdom about money and marriage and work, what does it do for us if the most important wisdom that leads to eternal life is dismissed? Believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Well, Proverbs has practical application for us too. Points us to the eternal life that we can have in Jesus Christ, but it also teaches us, number three, that if you keep wisdom, she will guard your life. Number three, if you keep wisdom, she will guard your life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 3 through 13, or 6 through 13. Do not forsake her, wisdom, and she will keep you. Love her. And she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. 
This is ultimately looking down the road of eternal life and death in the ultimate, but this is applying to your life until you die as well. This is generally saying that wisdom will guard your life. It is not saying that God will never allow bad things to happen to you, but it is saying that you will not knowingly or accidentally be falling into bad things which bring the stench of death into your life. Believing in Jesus guards us from eternal death that we deserve. And by walking in God's wisdom and understanding, it protects us from pitfalls of life along the way. For example, by walking in wisdom, you might avoid ever being addicted to substances. Follow the principles of money in Proverbs and you may avoid ever suffering bankruptcy. Follow the wisdom in Proverbs and you'll be more likely to enjoy healthy relationships and friendships. Following wisdoms means you'll be more likely to be a helpful and welcome employee at your place of work. There are all kinds of ways through the book of Proverbs and through God's word that show up as graceful garlands and beautiful crowns in our lives. They lead us to lead lives that are life and life-giving and stable and sturdy. He says in verse 6 again, do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. See, that wisdom will guard you. You hear the Father's Son. Do, do, you, do you hear my words? Do not walk in your own understanding. Your own understanding is not going to guard you from yourself and from sin and from ruin. See Jesus' example for this. Walk in wisdom and it will protect your life. Oh, how many ways have men entered into ruin, destruction, lost everything, or even died? Not because of some accident, not because of God's sovereignty, but because they wouldn't listen. Because they forsook God and His Word. The Father saying to the Son and to us, keep wisdom. She will guard your life in practical ways. Number four, the wise thing to do is to never take the first step down the path of evil. The wise thing to do is to never take the first step down the path of evil. Don't even step foot on that path. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Notice the precise wisdom here. It is not don't go down the path of the unwise. Don't go down the path of wisdom. That's good wisdom. But the specific wisdom here is do not enter the path of the wicked. Don't step a single foot onto the path of the wicked. Well, do not do drugs. That's bad. But is trying drugs bad? Adultery is bad. But is looking bad? Is talking bad? Being left alone and laughing, is that bad? Lying under oath before a judge and jury could get you prison time. But is lying to your parents that bad? (laughs) 
using social media to escape suffering responsibility is not good for your soul. But is just checking social media a few times a day okay? Gossiping about people in a way that tears them down is terrible. But is it okay just to share this one morsel, this one bit of information so that they know what's going on? Watching pornography and gross violence is bad. What about PG-13 movies? Have you thought that way about anything recently? Anything. Have you thought about something that you know, maybe this is not inherently good, maybe this is not necessarily on the path to life, but just a little won't hurt. Just a little, just a trial to see what it's like. This is the kind of understanding that is wisdom. It's beyond knowing this is bad and do not do that. Wisdom goes beyond that to say, don't take a step down that path. I know that murder is wrong. Murder is bad. Yes, that's a law. Don't break the law by by committing murder. But how do you actually come to murder someone? What's the first step? Remember David in... 2 Samuel went to be with Bathsheba. What was the problem there? What was going on when David fell with one of his greatest sins? To begin with, David stayed home from war. All the other men went out to war, and David, being a great warrior, for some reason was at home. David put himself in the evening looking out over his kingdom. David saw a woman. David brought that woman, Bathsheba, to himself. He laid with the woman. She became pregnant. And to cover up this shame, to cover up the whole event and the whole saga, David worked through a series of his commanders in war to kill Bathsheba's husband. And what did God say? When God shows up through the prophet Nathan to speak to David, does God say, that's it, you broke some laws, you're in trouble? No, God understood the wisdom of how David got there in the first place. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, through the prophet Nathan, God says to David, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Did you not have enough, David? To avoid life and family destroying sins, avoid the first step. Don't take the first step. Maybe you can look in your life and think of a tempting place or a person or a purchase or even just a line of thinking that you are entertaining as, well, I'm not going down the path. How unwise. The wise thing to do is to never take the first step down the path of evil. 
just put a do not enter sign in front of it in your mind. Don't take the first step. Trust God that every sin is a step down the path of death and that his words instead lead to life. Number five, understand wickedness never gets enough. Understand wickedness never gets enough. Look at verses 16, 17. For they, those who are wicked and on the path of wickedness, they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made some, someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. Permitted a, a double negative here to say it this way. Wickedness can't not be wicked for a single day. This is their diet. They eat wickedness. They, they, they drink the wine of violence. It's, it's what they do every day. It's, it's never just a step on the path. It's never just one step. Unlike Lay's potato chips, sin does not advertise that you cannot eat just one. Sin and wickedness disguises itself tells you you can just eat one if you want. But what it wants for you is to find yourself with an empty bag of chips on the couch, sick and sorry. Because you can't eat just one. Never say, I will just go down the path of wickedness a little bit. This sin is only inviting me so far. I'll just sin a little bit and then I'll come back. I'll just try it. How many adulterers have said, well, what's a second look? How many addicts have said, I just want to try it? How many thieves in prison have started by grabbing a candy bar at the grocery store? Sin and wickedness are not neutral directions or forces in the world choices that we make. They want more and more and more. They can't sleep until we've done more wrong today. Like God said to Cain, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, to rule over you. And fathers and mothers, anyone who is discipling young Christians or children, one of the things that you can do in your discipleship and in your parenting is to help your children learn from your experiences that this is true. How do you know? If you have lived long enough and you have been a Christian long enough, you have come to learn personally by experience that it's never just one step down the path of wickedness. It's never just one step down the road of unrighteousness and rebellion against God. Friends, give one another warning examples. What did you do? How did you mess up? How did someone else's series of de decisions ruin your life? What were the decisions made in your family tree or led to a broken family that you have suffered? Tell them about the nature of sin. Tell them how you have seen in your family tree and in your life that sin never sleeps. Understand wickedness never gets enough. It's coming 
for us. It doesn't sleep until it's done something wrong. Number six, wisdom looks down to the end of the path. Notice when you're using Siri to get around, you have to start with the destination. You, you can search food and pick a spot and it will take you there. But you have to pick a destination and then it will tell you how to get there. You don't just start, hey Siri, just take me there. Just, hey Siri, it's time to go. You start with an end, and you get to that end. Wisdom looks down to the end of the path first to determine where it goes. Look at verse 18 and 19. The path of righteous is like the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Know where the path leads. Foolishness only looks at the beginning of the path. Wisdom asks, where does this path take me? Is it going to grow in light? Or is this going to grow in darkness? Friends, think about how this works when Jesus is calling us to follow him. At the beginning, if you believe in Jesus and you follow Jesus, at the beginning, you're likely going to be laughed at. You're likely going to be excluded you're likely to be mocked or worse. But does that tell the whole story about where the path of following Jesus goes? No, it doesn't. Where does following Jesus lead you through persecutions, through enduring exile, into eternal life with God? And what does the path of sin look like? Oh, man, at the beginning, it feels so good. So satisfying, so fulfilling, so pleasurable. And then it gets darker and darker and darker until eventually the sin that you are tripping over in your life, you can't even see it. You can't even see. You don't even know what you're stumbling over. You don't even recognize it as sin in your life because you're so in the dark. Stop now and consider where is your life going? How you are living your life, the decisions that you've made about faith and decisions that you made this last week, where are they taking you in the end? Wisdom looks down the path to the end of the path. Finally, number seven, be attentive to your life. Be attentive to your life. Wisdom cautions you to watch yourself. This path, how do we actually walk on this path day to day? This is one of those things that's so practical, it's, it's painful to hear. It's the way that we live our lives. It's a thousand interactions with a thousand decisions every day. And Proverbs here is going to call us to keep close watch on your life. There's a way that this is corporate and communal. We watch over each other in the church. That's part of our covenant to each other. But you also have to watch over your life with diligence. It is stupid 
to use a biblical word. To live your life without thinking about your life. It's foolish. One way to get down the path of wickedness and death is by not paying attention to what you're doing and where you're going. To never question yourself. To never ask yourself critical questions. You did not live your life in consideration and his commands. This is about as practical as the Bible ever gets. How might one actually take a step onto the path of sin and evil and death? How would, how would you even do that? Here's how Proverbs chapter 4 ends. Hear something. See something. Feel or believe something in your heart. Say something. Think something. Or go somewhere. Ears, eyes, heart, mouth, mind, and feet. Any of these things are opportunities for you to be led on the path of death. Look what he says in verse 20 through the end, or through 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart. The emphasis here in this section is on the heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. vigilance, For from it flow the springs of life. I don't think that means that there's just eternal life springing from you, but that all of your life comes out of your heart. Everything in your life comes out of your heart. Jesus affirmed this. Verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk, what comes out of your mouth, far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder, think about the path of your feet. Think about where you're going. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Some of you drivers need to hear this. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Am I living in wisdom? Ask yourself this. Write it down. Journal this this afternoon. Make this your devotion this week. What did my ears hear today? What did my eyes see this week? What is going on in my heart today? Anger, joy, hope, bitterness? What came out of my mouth today? Why? Where did my feet go today? And why? Think of whatever your eyes see and your ears hear and your mouth says as opportunities to take first steps on the path of life or the path of death. If I were to follow what I see and follow what I hear and follow what comes out of my mouth and follow where my, my feet have gone, where is that road going to take me if I keep going down that road? Friends, if you don't gather with the church for meals, for member meetings, for worship, 
Well, think about it. Where is that path going to take you? How does that affect your family? Is that the path of life? Think about your entertainment content. The matter of eyes, ears, heart, and feet are all opportunities to go down a new road. You cannot be on the path of wisdom and life if your eyes, your ears, your heart, and your feet are on the path to wickedness. Be attentive about it. Pay close attention to your eyes, your ears, and your heart. Listen to the host of commands as he focuses in verse 20 through 27. Be attentive, incline, bend, get your ear towards listening. Don't, don't let them escape. Don't let wisdom escape. Keep my instructions. Verse 23, keep your, your heart. Watch it. Be careful with it. Pay attention to it. Don't just follow your senses through the world. Pay attention to your heart and what's going on in it right now. Put away crooked speech from you. Don't talk about having any crooked speech from you whatsoever. No devious talk. Keep it far from you. Keep it away. <clears throat> Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Pay attention, son. Pay attention, daughters. Watch your life. Watch the steps that you are taking. Watch what you are seeing, what you are hearing. Watch your heart. Be very careful with your life. Don't play with sin. Don't entertain sin. Don't flirt the line of the path of wickedness. Keep God's word in your heart and your mind at all times. Friends, this is what it means to have daily devotion in God's Word. It's not about doing a chore. It's not about doing something that God's just going, well, have you had devotion today? No, it's about getting my eyes and my ears and my mouth and my heart down the path of life by listening to God's Word. Every time we gather with the church, it's a way to stand guard over your own life. Every time we gather with the church and preaching and life groups, even our members' meetings, these are ways that we're watching over our lives and each other's lives. What is prayer? Prayer is an opportunity to ask God to help you see yourself. Like David prayed in Psalm 139. God, I think I'm doing pretty well, but would you show me if there are any grievous ways in me and lead me in the way everlasting? That's what family devotion is. Fathers, that's what getting the Bible out in your home is. Children, let's get our eyes, let's get our ears, let's get our minds, let's get it on God's word. We thought about a lot of things today. We've watched shows today. We have talked a lot today. We've listened to a lot of music. We need to make sure before we go to bed or when we get up that we have our eyes, ears, mind on God and on His wisdom. 
letting these down, letting your guard down, opening up your eyes and your ears to go down the path of wickedness is like flinging open your front door, inviting Satan in to come talk to your kids and talk to you and tell you how to be a husband and tell you how to be a wife and tell you how to be a boss and tell you how to go get what's there for you in the world. And then you wake up one day and it's so dark you can't even tell sin from righteousness. What a grace of God that we should have wisdom that leads to life. And we have time and time again made dumb, sinful decisions. But God has given us grace through Jesus Christ and he has given us wisdom and understanding that we can see the world the way he does, walk accordingly on the path to life. Keep wisdom. It will keep you. Proverbs 24, verse 13 to 14 says, My son, eat honey, for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. But know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future. Your hope will not be cut off. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Because we confess and trust it is your wisdom. And we pray not now, Father, that you would help us take what we've heard in your word and be convicted and be encouraged as you know that each of us need. Help us get wisdom. Help us not be foolish in our pride. Help us admit we are not the source of wisdom. We are not the source of life. But that you are. That you created the world in wisdom. And all wisdom is in you, and all wisdom you've put in Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.